Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Here to There with Carolyn Picata. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Here to There, where we explore movement from our present reality to the preferred future that God has for us. Well, it seems like every year we hear more and more stories of high-profile Christian leaders having moral failures, especially in the area of marriage. Uh, Divorce is a reality for many marriages, and unfortunately, the statistics don't seem much different for self-identifying Christian couples. And of course, when you talk to pastors and people on church staff, you often hear stories of how challenging ministry can be on a marriage. And there are unique stressors to vocational ministry that affect marriages. And of course, our marriages also affect our ministries, because when our marriages aren't healthy, the ministry probably will be struggling as well. The two do interplay together. So today, in honor of the upcoming Valentine's Day, we are focusing on how we can build and sustain a healthy, thriving marriage when you work at a church. So if you're listening to this and you're not married, I hope you'll stay tuned because Hopefully, it'll give you insights on issues that your married pastors and church staff are facing, and hopefully, you can encourage them. And if you are married, you really want to listen to this. I'm excited to talk today with a fantastic married couple, and I don't use that term lightly, um, Rex and Andrea Minor, who have been in vocational ministry together for decades in different roles, different states, different churches of various sizes. Um, Currently, they serve at Saddleback Church, where they've been part of the Small Girls Ministry team for the past few years, along with other ministries. And we'll get to hear a little more about their ministry journey. And personally, I've had the privilege of knowing Rex and Andrea for over 15 years when they were on staff at my church for a couple of years. And over time, I've been so impressed with both the strength and the joy of their marriage. They're great people as individuals, but they're way better as a set. Um, and I know they've been so intentional about building and sustaining and protecting um, a healthy marriage through all the ups and downs of ministry and life. And so they have so much wisdom to share with us. They're one of my mentors. And so we hope it'll be helpful to you. So Rex and Andrea, thanks for being on here to there. Oh, so fun. Glad what to be a here. privilege. Well, you, I, I actually, you know, I don't use the word fantastic lightly because, you know, if anything, Rex knows this because he was my boss for a few years, that I tend to underplay these things. I'm not one to like blow smoke. So, and I have felt like I've had front row seat to your marriage and your family and, um, and kind of all that. So tell us a little bit about kind of your story as a couple. Um, and first, let me congratulate you on your recent 40th anniversary. That is a huge milestone. That so congratulations. 40 years. Yeah, we... We can't believe it. All week we've been going 40 years. How is that possible? <laughs> we got married when we were five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we stuck at 45 and then mm-hmm. I look in the mirror and go, nah, not yeah. so much. But um, yeah, so we, you know, we met, we were pretty young. I mean, we got married at 20 and 21 and um, uh, really felt like, we kind of felt like our oldest child raised us. <laughs> but, um, you know, we were both raised in Christian homes. And so, and at the time, you know, people were getting married a little younger. Um, but we don't suggest it to, to uh, those today so much. So by God's grace, um, we entered into marriage. And I think when you marry young, you tend to not... Um, because you are kind of growing up together. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we didn't have, we weren't real too set in our ways. That probably served us pretty well. But um, unlike our friends who got married a little later, you know, we were 
financially strapped, hardly able to <laughs> exist in the beginning. Um, but and then we were only married two years when our first daughter came along, and wow. um, and you know she's going to be thirty eight next month. Wow. She's hey, saying this on public news here. But, um, <laughs> no, they, thanks, thanks, Dad, Mom. <laughs> thanks so much for being my mate. Um, but anyway, yeah, and so uh, we. Where Rex was getting his master's uh, when we got married in marriage and family counseling. And um, I was working at a church. That was our first church. We kind of worked together in uh, San, Fernando, San Fernando Valley in California. And, um, and then when I had our daughter, I stopped working and kind of just helped Rex get through school and work. But the whole time he was working part-time at a church. And then um, we had our three kids. And then... Um, Mallory Page and Trent, and Trent's in full-time vocational ministry. He's a youth pastor in Colorado. Um, our middle daughter, Paige, has two, and he has his first child, um, our a son. And um, our middle daughter, Paige, is uh, married, has two children, a boy and a girl, and they live in Simi Valley. And then our oldest, uh, Mallory, um, works for Compassion International, and she's oh, also wow. a first-time mom with her husband in Colorado as well. So now we've got four grandbabies as of Christmas time, which is pretty amazing. But um, I stayed home with our kids for like 11 years, and I did businesses out of our home. But the whole time, I was in lay leadership in our local church, and Rex was um, building a counseling practice. Mm -hmm. And so by the time uh, our youngest was in kindergarten, we had moved uh, to Chicago, where we went on staff at Willow Creek mm -hmm. Church uh, for 12 years, and it I, was. I think that the the, the the fun time, the the fun part about this though is that after doing counseling for three years, I found out I didn't like it very much, <laughs> uh, and uh, I thought I like the skills, I like what I learned, but um, I I really think I'm I'm going to love ministry. So that's when I became pastor mm -hmm. for the first time. So and, before you uh, switched over to the pastor piece, I have to ask Andrea. So being married to a trained therapist, uh, one that didn't really like counseling, but now does that make marriage easier or, or harder? And I have to ask this because I have heard people say, oh, if only my spouse, like if I was married to a pastor or a therapist or somebody like really in touch with their emotions and just <laughs> able to talk about all of that, like how great it would be. And so- yeah. Uh, yeah, he's very in touch with his emotions. So let's be clear um, on that. I will say, um, you know, honestly, there was good and bad to it. I mean, I, I married him and the whole time thought I will be married to a therapist. Um, I felt like God had a great sense of humor because I'm a head case. So I thought it would be hardly. I really did. I really did deal with But what I tried to do, it, I tried to bring some therapy. truth to our <laughs> That's what I'm calling Truth? it. Um, okay. uh, she would say, don't psychologize me. <laughs> nice. Um, it's not a word. It's not. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't. Um, I, I didn't do that. I would you say know, I'm not paying that. you. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, what I loved about it was I, I really did deal with like anxiety disorder and stuff for many, many years. And so I was always so grateful that Rex understood some of the things mm. I was going through. And throughout our, our married life, that has been a blessing that he has a sensitivity and an understanding of mental health um, because he really does talk me through difficult times and encourages me to seek the help I need as I need it or a good book or whatever, you know, he's the book king. So he always has a book for something. Um, so that has been great. I think the hard part of it for anyone whose husband or wife is in 
either a pastor or a therapist, is that a bit, the learned ability they must have to let things go and to um, not always bring it home. And so it can be very hard and depressing for those who are in that ministry many times, and they need to leave it in, in the office because legally they can't. But what I would appreciate is I would come home and I, what would I say? You're so you? grateful for me. I was so, <laughs> <laughs> I've been counseling people all day, Andrea. I You're am wonderful. so thankful for you. <laughs> you yeah, so all the people that made your problems made me look good. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so when we when we uh, a little later in the program when we talk about the benefits, uh, we have to we have to dive into that because I literally came home two days ago and I said the same thing to my husband, and he was like glad for the accolades. Didn't know what prompted it. Wasn't that curious about it? <laughs> It was just yeah. like, okay, yay, <laughs> that's nice. Yay. Uh, but back to kind of your ministry, vocational ministry history, Rex. So you guys were serving together at the same church um, for right. those twelve the, years. The great part was when we when we ended up going to this church. I, I knew Andrea had talent in ministry, and that she was going to be. And sure enough, there was a. I, I'm so so thankful for uh, the, one of the pastors there, um, Sue. She just she just said. Uh, Andrea, I see this in you. You're going to do this really well. And Andrea goes, well, I, maybe I could do it part-time. She goes, no, I want you full-time, and I think you're going to be really good at this. And so it was the first time that Andrea was invited into, you know, doing something that she is incredibly good at. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah. it started, thank you, <laughs> it started with an invitation that I felt completely ill-equipped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my thing was, look, I haven't gone to seminary. I put pastors up on a pedestal, and now I'm thrown into this church that considers itself strongly egalitarian, which was a new deal. Um, and they were inviting me into leadership, and I was leading men and women. And it happened to be children's ministry at the beginning for the first seven years. And so Rex was leading in a pa- kind of a pastoral care area and I was uh, leading in children's. And so it was a new day for me. One, to be a woman leader, taken quite seriously and just overcoming my own insecurities or am I really equipped to do this? Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I was inspired by the people I was seeing leading around us and the the vision the church had. And so um, it was, it was a hard yes, but only out of my own insecurities. And then within about a year, I felt like it was so clear that Mm -hmm. God, put me there for a time as that and that um, it became to be so much fun to do it with Rex mm-hmm. to be on the same staff. So that began what is now like a 28 year wow. um, journey together. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that because I think so many of us, especially women kind of fall into that trap of I'm not qualified. I don't have the credentials, uh, you know, and kind of dismissing God's call in their life. And that's so awesome that Sue saw it, Rex affirmed it. I'm sure people around you all saw it. Um, and then, you know, God gave you that and then continue to multiply your gifts and talents. By the time you came to our church, it was very clear. There was no question. <laughs> Uh, so, all right, so keep, continue to walk us. That was only 20 years ago. So continue to walk us through your vocational ministry and your marriage and how those have uh, been together. Sure. Uh, well, we've been on several church staffs together. We always came together. It's so a package, it's, yes. It can be hard, yeah, to find a churches that will hire packages. Um, but uh, we were, and um, we've enjoyed it. I, I think uh, we've enjoyed, you know, it, as we've, gone from place to place and state to state. Uh, we're a little tired. Uh, we don't want to move anymore. 
but we really have enjoyed the different churches we've been a part of. Um, most of the time, I would say 90% of the time we've had a really good time, but there are times when, you know, I've been down and she's been up and mm-hmm. her experience is good and mine is not. And then there's times that mine has been great and hers has not been good. Um, and so it's really hard at times to make sure that um, we are not fighting each other's battles, mm-hmm. that uh, we are married, but um, not to have negative attitudes about people who maybe are not treating our spouse yeah. great. Yes. Um, that's a discipline. That's, that's a conscious choice, uh, you know, to do that because we, we are together, but we can't fight each other's battles. Um, yeah, and that would be there. true even if you only had one partner in a in a vocational ministry role. So how do you do that? Because I, I think people tend to have a tough time leaving, not feeling badly about somebody treating their person. And I've heard this where the pastor staff, um, they have a hard time. They share enough to make their spouse um, really mad at the people causing the hard time. And then, then the pastor staff person is over it. They resolved it. There's, you know, reconciliation, whatever they've moved on. Meanwhile, the spouse is still harboring some bitterness and it can't see the, it can't see the, uh, the church the same way when they're worshiping. I mean, I've heard this, I'm sure you guys have heard it as well. So how do you do that, Rex? What's the discipline on that? Yeah. You want to go? Well, you know, I would say that we, we, first of all, we communicate a lot. And so, of course, unless it's a confidentiality issue, mm-hmm. um, we're sharing with each other what's going on at work. And mm-hmm. so if I'm having a good experience and Rex is in a hard place, um, it's one, we are constantly praying, you know, God help us see with your eyes. Mm-hmm. So that is our constant prayer that we can get God's view of what's happening and then help us be loving and a good listener. But our biggest prayer is that God will help us speak truth and love to one another. Mm-hmm. And so there have been times, Rex and I, at one church, he and I were both on the directional team together, which would be like the management team or whatever at your church. We were on directional team together, totally different roles. And uh, he when he said something like in a meeting, and I'm thinking like, I'm 100% against what he just said. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know I am called to my role. He is called to his role. We need to reflect truth. So mm-hmm. I don't want my leadership or my senior pastor to go, this is a team that yeah. those two are in cahoots. They're believing, you know, mm-hmm. I want him to know that we are absolutely called to our individual roles and we will best represent mm-hmm. what we believe God wants for our particular roles. Mm-hmm. So I've in a meeting said to him, I don't agree with you. I think we should go this way, you know, and um, and we would get, we would literally get in arguments in the middle. But it would be back and forth. They had one boss. It was great. Greg, he would say, um, okay, I'm going to stop you guys. You guys are going to go home and figure this out. And he was right. We, we'd continue we the talk. conversation. We'd come back the next day. Okay. We found a, found a middle ground. Yeah. But, but the bottom line is Rex wouldn't want me to do anything else. Mm. He would not want me to just side with him because he's my husband. That's not my call. A lot of times on church staffs, people won't even know we're married for the longest yeah, time. We don't and sit then they're together. like, oh, because we sit with our teams. Mm-hmm. I, we're not husband and wife in ministry that sit in every meeting together holding hands. I mean, <laughs> that's just... <laughs> Um, and I'm strong personality. And so I, I feel very comfortable saying, I don't agree with that. Here's why I will always do it. Love. If he wants to follow up with the discussion later, or there's been things where like he'll, maybe he'll say something. And he, by the way, it goes both ways. I could do this exact thing, but I'm talking. 
now. So, <laughs> um, but like Rex might say in a, um, we might be in a meeting and he says something and he comes home and he felt really good about how he stated it and defend. And I was like, Ooh, honey, I wish you could have seen your face. Like you said, you agreed, but your face was like, <laughs> were like this is stupid, you know? <laughs> I was like, really? And we'll talk about it. And because I spoke truth and love, he, like he can, he follows up the next day or he's like, I hope I wasn't, you know, misrepresenting myself. I want you guys to be clear about what I felt. And, and we're so grateful for the truth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he'll say to me, I, you know, I think you should have spoke up or you should have said something if you felt that way or whatever. So I always feel like if we're speaking truth and love, if we're praying that we can see with God's eyes and then we're loving each other well, mm-hmm. it really is okay. Um, it's been, I mean, maybe twice in our ministry married life, I would say we came to spars and I thought we got kind of ugly with each other over something. And it was because we were doing the same job at the mm. same church. We only done once and we did it for one year and then we quit. Never <laughs> that was a bad no. idea. No, one of us is competitive right. and it's not me. <laughs> so, we're going to be talking about ideas that so our next day Dad would come and say, I have this idea. Blah, blah, blah. And, and it's an idea we came up with and, and, she, and they go, that's brilliant. It's like, uh, yeah, you need. So it was. It was I'm free on the Enneagram. I needed credit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, but Rex was- is probably, uh, he's very devoted to truth telling. Um, yeah. And so I would think that that would be, that would be tough. This is why Rex and I got along so well. We both yeah. really yeah. like the truth and grace continuum. We both really enjoyed the truth side. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah. that's right but I've learned the grace side over Exa- time exactly exactly yeah. over time um, okay so now you've been doing so you've been a Saddleback how long now? two and a half two and a half, two and years. half years okay and you're no longer on the same team right? because Rex I think you just moved no, we, we didn't come in on the same team we're not on the same team no no. So nice tell us what you currently what your current roles are I can't keep up because you know there's there's lots of movement in that place <laughs> I'm currently in, in the pastoral care areas. Uh, so um, I oversee support groups, recovery groups, and um, working on mental health. Um, oh, back initiatives. full circle. Yeah, back full circle. But I, I really enjoy this uh, this area. And That's so I'm great. glad to be back in it. Yeah. That's great. And what and about I'm you, Andrew? On, I'm on what's called the 301 team here at Saddleback, mm-hmm. but it's basically the whole area of shape it's ministry mm-hmm. and so we help people find their areas of ministry and giftedness through shape i oversee the class study so i'm leading the teachers um, anything around leadership development in the area of 301 mm-hmm. is what i'm involved with so I'm that's a great with- fit for you that, yeah. that totally yeah. ma- totally makes sense for both yeah. i'm a great team um, yeah yes and you're not working on the same team thank god because apparently not well, the we best of- each other, yeah. though, so we can not still flirt all. with each other yeah. and you know <laughs> Yes. So, okay. So our listeners can't see you, but they're like so stinking adorable. It's it's just <laughs> it's just a lot. It's just a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of things. It's, 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 it's there's so many. It's a, something that came to mind is there's so many stressors sometimes being on a church staff. Yeah, and, let's talk about those. Yeah, you- that, that, it'd be very difficult to be, to, you know, to um, deal with some of the stresses. And, and sometimes, I mean, you know, to be honest, I mean, Carol and I and Andrea were all on a team uh, at a church that senior pastor had a moral failure, and it really created problems, um, yeah. you know, it, it, overall. I mean, all kinds of problems. And um, it just was so difficult. And, and 
you know, part of it is uh, we've been, you know, in ministry when it's been good and we've been in ministry when it's been really tough. And um, it isn't always good. You know, it can be very hard. Um, but ne- the need to work through those things, the need to find your, you know, your, where you fit in in, in the uh, res- resolution of that. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that so, so it's not like been all, you know, uh, unicorns and rainbows and, you know, flowers. It, it, it's, it can be tough uh, externally. I think at the end of the day, though, you go home and say, we're good. You know, we're solid. Um, we'll, we'll survive. And having to have many conversations sometimes to say, you know, I don't think we should stay. I think we need to move on. You know, this is not healthy. This is not a good thing anymore. Um, and the other one saying, you know, you know, it, maybe they don't see it as much, but we really trust each other. Mm-hmm. And so we've made the changes, you know, even when it's been tough. Um, sometimes Andrea's followed me and a call to a church. I have followed her to a call at a church and I didn't necessarily have a permanent job. Um, uh, but, uh, God made it, you know, made it work, but, um, Mm -hmm. just the need to, uh, to do that. I've always said I would do that, you know, if, if necessary, I would always do that. And then I, (laughs) you had to do it. And then I thought I had to pause. It's like, okay, I, am I really willing to do that? And, uh, there was, there was a time right when I did that, um, said, no, I, I'm willing to, I, I'm willing to go. And if I have to work at Starbucks, I'll do it, but I didn't have to, but I, you know, I'm being willing to, but I got a letter from my oldest daughter right when that happened. And it just said, dad, you know, this is such great modeling to see yes. that you do that for your, yes. your wife, that you would follow her. And, um, just as she has followed you and that you really do live, um, an egalitarian marriage, meaning that we're equals, mm-hmm. you know, we, we truly are equals. And in my job is to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. And that means sacrifice whatever is necessary to help her thrive and succeed. And so, um, that has been our goal. Yeah, you know, and you guys do live, you, you totally live it out, I think, even early on in working with both of you and just seeing how you are with each other. There's such a mutual respect. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a ton of laughter and joy and um, and yeah. joking around <laughs> with each other. But yeah, uh, but there's just there's just a really foundational, solid, um, you know, solid respect there, which, you know, and I love Rex that um, you had to put your money where your mouth was because you, you were virtually, because you did, you, oh, you were. Very- this all the time. I mean, I, I've asked, <laughs> I, I've told God, listen, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I prayed this prayer starting in 1994. I remember we just really prayed. Well, I'll do this. And God has taken us in some amazing yeah. places. But And that takes humility to, to say, hey, right now, yeah. you're, the call on your life seems, you yeah. know, it seems so clear. So I'll go. And you totally, you've, you've totally walked that. Okay. So you said there are definitely stressors unique to um, being in ministry and both, you know, even if you have one spouse, let's just focus. The majority of situations are not a package deal. So majority of our listeners, they're yeah. the ones that are in the vocational ministry staff role. So uh, if you could list like some of the unique stressors, you mentioned one, which it's external, right? So you have a church going through moral failure, church going through a reorg, um, financial, yeah. church going through financial hardship, COVID, big stressor for all of our churches. Um, exactly. But perhaps maybe other, other stressors you could think of. Um, well, just the mere fact that we're in ministry means that we're, we are really trying to do sacrificial work. I mean, mm-hmm. We're trying 
to do a job where we're ministering to others all the time and are, or at least being available to the needs of the people of our church mm-hmm. at all times. And so um, that's just a dream in and of itself. I yes. mean, you're putting you're putting out. Um, I think, and, you're, the, and you're in a bubble. I mean, people see you. And people you know, are watching. Model. And, and, and one of the things we've become very clear about is Satan hates good marriages. Mm. He hates for God's people to have good marriages and he will attack that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being, a, being aware of that, um, but also uh, that, that's a real thing. We, we, are, yeah. we are in the business of, of the supernatural. It's yeah. not the natural, you know, it, we're in the business of supernatural. And so Satan attacks mm-hmm. and uses all kinds of, of schemes. And we just sort of laugh. We now can identify him pretty quickly yeah. and sort of left like, oh, gosh, he thinks that's going to work. That's funny. Well, and I think, too, it's um, the idea that uh, you can set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, ministry can break down boundaries that you have set for your marriage um, very easily. And so we always say to people, you're responsible for what your marriage looks like mm-hmm. in ministry. And mm-hmm. um and it's a conversation husbands and wives have to have. A lot of times there's one paid spouse, but I would say ha- over half the time, there's another person who's yes. doing the lay ministry. Right. They're involved in some way. They may seem to be pulling a paycheck. So the tension is still there that two people are trying to do what God's calling them to do and do it effectively. Right. Um, and, um, I, you know, I would, at this point in our lives, I mean, we would tell anyone to say, get very specific with the church that's going to hire you. What does it look like for couples to set boundaries around marriages? Yeah, what kind and of so, boundaries would you recommend? Like what? I you know, the time thing is an issue, you know, not just, I mean, of course, make, you know, that you're having good benefits and the vac- you're getting vacation and things like that to, to let yourself down. But um, the bigger one is when a church says they're hiring you for 40 hours a week, we just come real clear. Does that mean 40 or 60? I appreciate mm-hmm. I'm getting paid for 40, <laughs> but it's this expect- expectation that I'm working 60 to 80. Um, many, many, many people in church ministry are putting in closer to 80 hours a week, which is, to me, totally unhealthy. It's not sustainable. Yeah. It's not sustainable. And so all I would say to them is you can take that job. You, Mm -hmm. one of two things will happen. You will either burn out of ministry Mm -hmm. or you'll destroy your marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, I've never met anybody who I would, has a marriage that I would look to and say, that seems like a good marriage. Who one of the spouses is working those kind of hours? Mm-hmm. Um, something's going to get their kids are going to sacrifice. Their parents are going to sacrifice for the ministry itself. Um, and they think that if they're doing ministry at 80 hours a week, they're serving God and God's a priority. Yes, that, that is the justification. That's the justification. But what ends up happening is your family bites the dust or your emotional health or your physical body bites the dust. And then what really ends up happening is God isn't served ultimately. And um, and that was never how what he intended for us, or he wouldn't have all those scriptures on living in unity and, and harmony and loving each other well. So, um, so having those important conversations. So we know that ministry takes more than forty hours a week at almost any church. I mean, we're not being ridiculous, and you get paid for a forty-hour work week. But it's what does that look like for us? How many nights right. a week? Those are the conversations. How many okay. nights a week are you expecting me to be out of my home? Like we we made a, a boundary that we would be home more nights than we're away. So that means four plus always, nights, always, always yeah. four plus nights a week. That's we were home. Good. I love the practicality um, of that. Cause then you can measure that on the calendar, yeah. you know, yeah. well, you can have those healthy conversations with your kids. Cause we haven't even talked about that yet, but, but with us and our children, I mean, when I entered ministry, Rex and I made a commitment, two commitments to each other and to our family. And that was on the marriage side, Rex and I would get away twice a year 
uh, in January where our anniversary is and then around his birthday in June. Mm -hmm. We would get away for at least one overnight, mostly usually a weekend. And we would have the main idea was to sit down and say, how are we doing with each other? Wow. What goals, what goals do we need to set and what goals have we met or, or killed <laughs> and not met at all? It was honest conversation, eyeball to eyeball. How are we doing? And then when we had kids at home, it was how are we doing as parents? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, we talked about each one of our children and what Indeed do we too. hope for them and yeah. how can we pray for them? And and wow. so those, that, those, those times away, I will tell you, though, I mean, it, it was gone from anywhere from – how we do, we're doing, we're doing really well, how the kids are doing well. And, and we, you know, it was a like, it was less like than an hour of conversation. It's like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. So it's not a long state of the union. Like the whole- we had times where like, I remember once on the way there, I turned the car around and says, I don't want to be with you, you know, wow. and I don't want to be with you either, you know? So it we was, it was a knockdown drag out. Yeah. <laughs> and so we did a lot of literally like drove an hour, drove a half hour back, then turned around and then drove a half hour, you know, we, we literally were, you know, fighting and arguing. And, but it was, you deal with the stuff you keep, yeah. and one of the things, yeah. you keep really short accounts, you know, you, you don't let things fester. Um, things like bitterness is not allowed. It's not allowed in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. It's not allowed in our person. It, we, sh- we can't allow it. So we Maybe deal with deal with the bitterness if there's anything that's festering. A bitterness only really only comes up when there's something unresolved. festering, unresolved. Right, yeah. but the unresolved is you guys you guys communicate a lot and well. Um, and let's just say it's it's you know in part due to Rex's um, you know, background. <laughs> no. I don't know if I want to give that to him, but let's just say that I also want to say it's also in part to, to Andrea's grace. But okay, but what forever yeah. your dynamic though that. Thanks for admitting that. Sometimes it's hard. You don't really like your partner much. I think I've thought that. Like, I love you, but I don't really like you very much right now. Yeah. I've also thought that about my children at times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they won't be listening to this. They won't know that I love you forever. Yeah. But um, but the liking part, that there's something about that. And it could be, you know, a season. Thankfully, it's a really short, short thing. And, yeah. you know, I you mean, talk you through it. But if you pretend it's yeah. not happening, which I think happens, seems to happen more in marriages where you don't say that it's happening um, yeah. and you don't air it out, then it goes uh, underground and then the resentment is over time. It, it builds and then you're then you're up uh, with mm-hmm. a lot more issues once you finally do unpack it. So I, the short yeah. accounts, thing, I remember you telling me that, um, you know, back when I, we've now been married 28 years, but I think when you and I, we were working together, it was, you know, much less than and had with young kids. And I remember you telling me that this is going to be really important. Um, and yeah. I remember you also saying, you know, not only is my soul so critical to my ministry, so are, so is my marriage and my family. Yeah. And I was like, no, I thought it was my skills. I just need to get the skills. And you were like, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was oh, yeah. really, really true. Um, and so I think, yeah, the sort of counts as good. The boundaries piece, let's talk about the boundaries piece when it comes to um, opposite uh, gender. You guys work with both men and women. You work very well with both men and women. Um, and you have in leadership roles, peer roles. I mean, just kind of up and down the org chart. So what are some boundaries that you have put in place for that? Because I, I know some of them. That's why it's a great thing. I don't know that people intentionally sure. think that through. And then they yeah. end up in a situation. And then they're kind of flustered by what happened. And yeah. I, I love that you guys have so much intentionality and planning um, so that you know you, you guard against uh, those things. Yeah, we both have, have have had to put boundaries in place. The one thing is we always tell each other, you know, because I, I will tell you, there have been times when this has come up 
You know, when somebody you have to, you're working with someone, you're supervising someone, or someone's a friend who's a cross gender, and uh, there it gets sideways. It gets weird, you know. So it's all of a sudden, you know, that this person now is expressing things they probably shouldn't be expressing. So one of the things that actually I learned from Andrea real early on was you just invite the other to that meeting to the next meeting. So she had one guy that she was supervising who was saying some things that were just a little bit like he shouldn't be talking to Andrea about that. He should be talking to a counselor or his own wife about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Andrea says, I think you should talk to my husband. And she brought me to her there next one-on-one. And mm-hmm. so we were able to talk about it, you know, um, whatever his issue was, at, you know, at the time. It sort of, it, and I brought Andrea in too, to those situations and uh, created, you know, just conversation. Uh, so but that's the benefit of you both being on the same staff, right? But well, what if yeah. it, what if it's not? We were on staff or not? It, it could, it, you know, it could still to happen. bring the spouse. Okay. Yeah, but well, that's one thing. I mean, I think I think the big part is Rex and I just almost over communicate. I mean, we mm-hmm. we talk about things all the time, and, and so um, you know, our big thing is if we're protecting our marriage, then we're constantly having, you know, I have to have a meeting today, and I want you to know, you know, where mm-hmm. I am. I'm with and um so there's no question um you know right now we're on step at Saddleback and Saddleback has pretty you know that's structured I mean it's structured structured behavior around uh, men and Mm -hmm. women and and so that makes it a no-brainer but we've also been on staff at churches where it was Mm -hmm. pretty loosey-goosey and it was like we need to have good structure Mm -hmm. and good uh, appropriate boundaries around things and that was so usually it's just communicating with each other here's what I'm doing here's Mm -hmm. who I'm with um, no surprises. I don't want to hear, you know, um, my husband was somewhere with someone mm-hmm. and I didn't have any idea about it. And mm-hmm. that is really, I want to be able to go, I know, I knew that. And we talked about it and yeah. it was a safe zone and, and uh, public or wherever, you know. So, But we have had very good cross-gender friends. I have one, really? one friend that calls me one of her best girlfriends. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nancy calls me her best one of her, you know, one of her um, so we we have had that. Andrea has. I mean, Andrea was literally was a best, a best person in a wedding, in a wedding <laughs> because uh, she was uh, very good friends with um, uh, Galen. Uh, you know, this uh, still good friends with Galen. Pastor. Um, he's a pastor. Yeah, great he's a great man. great guy. And so we've had friendships, cross gender friendships, mm-hmm. and that does bring up. I mean, you know, you have to, you have to be careful. You have to be wise. You have to, you know. Uh, you know, meet, meet in public and things like that. It's really a good idea. Um, I think the most critical thing to know, and because I, I think you can really, you can oversimplify the challenge that comes with cross-gender friendships and working relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you also can make it way too complex. Yeah, yeah. I think the, most thing to, the best thing to remember and the thing that constantly goes through our mind is if we're walking in the spirit and walking with mm-hmm. God well, and we love those people, mm-hmm. We won't do anything mm-hmm. that would hurt their reputation, mm-hmm. their relationship with God, mm-hmm. or the friendship we hold. So yeah. we hold those friendships really dear. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I say they are brothers and sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. I really brothers, view them yeah. as that. Um, and I don't. We don't take risks. You know, if someone's mm-hmm. in a really unhealthy marriage, um, we don't go to one on one with them. Yeah. Places with those people, because we know where they belong is in a therapist's office with their spouse, (laughs) getting help with another gender friendship, you know, and going to deep places that they can. Um, So we try to use wisdom 
as best we can, um, include one another in what those relationships are looking like, yes. and then just yes. love those people well. Yeah, and you know, it's yeah, you know, it just came to mind. I hadn't thought about this in years, Rex. I think this might be a useful tip for people who are uh, maybe, especially for men, more so that are in ministry. And um, I remember. Uh, Rex mentioning to me kind of six, maybe a few months into our, our um, getting to know each other when he joined our, our staff and he was the adult discipleship pastor and I was in my small groups role. Um, and one of the things he said was, um, you know, whereas I got to know both of you, but he said, one of the things Andrew and I do is that, you know, we really try to protect our marriage. And part of that is um, obviously I'm working very closely with Rex and, um, and, and he said, you're going to see a lot more, uh, me interact with women a lot more than she will. She's like totally a different department. Their, their roles didn't overlap at all. And he, he said, you know, there's going to be, because he were oversaw women's ministry, he oversaw a lot of ministry. A lot of volunteers are women. And he said, and I sat right outside his office. So he's like, you're going to see me meet with a lot of more women and you're going to be in meetings with me with other women. Um, and he said, I give you permission to, um, to let me know if there's any place, if I'm overstepping or if there's something funky going on with um, any of the women, if there's anything you're picking up on, I trust you and you you have permission to speak. And I, you know, I came out of practicing law. Like this was like such a weird thing of, okay, the churches do this. Um, is this a thing? And then I realized it was more of a Rex thing. It wasn't really necessarily churching, but it was actually a really beautiful thing because what that communicated was um, that he was putting a boundary even in, in the workplace, knowing that here's a here's someone it wasn't about me it was like he knew and trusted my discernment and actually yeah. there's a couple of times where i was like i'm gonna be in that meeting with you rex because i don't really I, I don't really I mean, like you know, it's funny i didn't remember that till now yeah you yeah did. Not, you say you know there's a woman? flirtatious woman there was somebody that it was just they were over, they were overstepping you were oblivious and i was like no i, I i'm yeah. not comfortable with this yes. <laughs> yeah yes. I, and so i think you kind of yeah, so he, so he came back, and I think I remember thinking, this seems so weird, but like, should I say anything? He's not doing anything wrong. Um, but because he had given me permission, and I was more, that I thought, no, and I love Andrea, and I thought, he wants this. He's asking for input, and it was actually really a good thing. They later, you know, later on, she got divorced, so there you go. So it was a good thing. Good discernment <laughs> on my part. So clearly, clearly, you, sh you shouldn't have been meeting alone with her anyway. So, and I've actually done this as, as kind of one of the senior women on our team. I've actually done this with some younger leaders as well. I learned this from, and I thought, hey, can I give you some input? And you can see from body language. I mean, and women, I mean, Angie, I feel like we pick this stuff up. We can see it when the guys can't see it. I tell you. Yeah, I think part of it is too, and, and I mean, we don't just have to talk about cross gender. Uh, but one of the things I I really found was, um, there is so much I've learned from women in ministry. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to put like women in ministry and what I've learned from them next to men, um, men wouldn't fare well. I mean, <laughs> I've learned so much. My first mentors, a woman led me to Christ when I was six mm -hmm. years old. I, I have had women mentors along the way that taught me. Um, and so I can't imagine, uh, you know, ever to not have that kind of friendship, you know, mm -hmm. but it is something that can get misconstrued and you got to be careful um, you have to steward and, and be, well. and be yeah. wise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, we could go on and on about this. Yeah. this but topic. anyway, I thought yeah. just a fun memory popped into my head. <laughs> well, and what's so fun, interesting about it is that, uh, you know, 
you have to take into account, you know, as a, as a heterosexual male, you have to take into account that um, there will be attractions, you know, that, that sexuality is always a part of who we are. And so you have to be aware that that's, you know, that is a part of a cross-gender relationship right. and how you react to that. Um, well, and don't and you think not- also the ministry piece, Rex, like uh, there seems to be a putting people, pastors on pedestals, um, especially yeah. men, and and then projecting onto them all these positive traits. Yeah. And I've heard, yeah. you know, people, pastors, senior pastors especially, say if they knew, like me personally, <laughs> they wouldn't be putting me on a pedestal. But you know, that's that's kind of what gets seen visibly when you're a public person. Well, part of it's putting them on pedestals, and then part of it is quite simply, uh, just like a therapist, the projection thing is a big deal. It's I feel safe with this person. Yes. I can say anything with them. I get pure love mm-hmm. from this pastor, pure love from like, you know, or encouragement. I'm getting constant encouragement. They may not be getting it at home. And this is men mm-hmm. and women. And so even in the mere role we're in, mm-hmm. it's yes. this thing where you have to expect projection. You have to know you may have a, a an important role in this person's life. And then somewhere along the line, it got to be too important. Mm-hmm. And so that's just something you have to steward and watch in mm-hmm. any ministry. But it is one of those things where if you're protecting your marriage, it's a part of the dialogue. Yeah. What are some, uh, we've talked about some stressors and maybe there's others. What are some benefits you think to, uh, you well, know, people uh, are leaving the ministry in droves right now. You realize, right? Like the yeah, statistics. Yeah, yeah. One of the biggest, so sad. I, I'll say one and then you can type in, but, but. One big one is we have to grow spiritually to be good at our mm. jobs. We have yeah. to. So the constant growth that's happening, Andrea and I, um, I mean, over almost 30 years time uh, has been, you know, like we'll be reading a book. Oh, please read this. This is so good. And so we'll be growing together as a result of doing ministry together. So. Uh, you know, a lot has come from books or from people. We've had the same spiritual director in our lives for mm-hmm. over 20 years, um, wow. 25 yeah. um, And uh, uh, her name is Sybil, and she's amazing. And, uh, you know, if still to this day, if we get stuck, we we'll give her a call <laughs> and, you know, say, you know, how can you with this? This is something that... And uh, so we've had safe people to go uh, to. Go to and then we... We read, we grow. We a lot of times we're in the same um, conferences or you know whatever. So we're learning alongside each other, and we learn from each other. Um, that is a great benefit. And I would say for me uh, specifically, and probably for me too, but um, I love the fact that our, I see our life as a working discipleship mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, it's beautiful. I feel like we. Um, if we're speaking truth and love, which is one of our core values, mm-hmm. um, if we're asking important questions, if we're communicating well, then we're bringing up the things that God once brought up, mm-hmm. you know? And so if, um, if I'm feeling, um, really overly critical of myself, Rex is the first one to say, you know, honey, that's not God's perception. Oh. Where, where's from or why are you feeling that way and he'll he'll ask and it's not just because he's a therapist i mean it's because he's also my brother in christ and he cares Mm -hmm. deeply about Mm -hmm. the things that me that are not from god Mm -hmm. and things that will come up sometimes he's being you know short i can tell he's angry and i'm like do you need a solitude day (laughs) (laughs) you think you might need a solitude day (laughs) (laughs) you're out of control go get help but i do feel like 
I I constantly am saying, God, thanks for my marriage because I am becoming more like Jesus because Rex mm. is my spouse. And I think that's the longing everyone has. Yeah. Now, whether we can see it or not or view it or we have a long way to go, so do we, and we still do because um, we have not arrived. But I will say, I can, I can with great confidence, say I love Jesus more today and I'm a little more like him Mm -hmm. because of my marriage. And I feel like our marriages should be just that. It should be a discipleship tool and God's great tool bag that he says, you know, I'm going to work with your spouse to help you become all that I want you to be. And it's, and we're not in isolation. So in ministry, I mean, I think the great benefit to ministry is we are on the sidelines cheering one another on. No question in my mind, Rex is my greatest ministry cheerleader. Not a question. Um, he, when I am able to accomplish something at work, if I'm able to minister to someone in a specific way, he's right there noticing and saying, well done. And, you know, look yeah. what you did. And I believe in you. And don't be afraid to try that. Risk. Try, you know. And I'm the first one that's going, oh, I don't know. And and he's like, no, I, you absolutely have this, you know. And then, you know, same thing. If I'm stuck in a situation, we have very different gifts. If I'm stuck, I mean, Rex is the first phone call I make over to the office and say, okay, I've got this person on my team and I'm struggling with what to deal with it. He'll say, okay, well, let's talk about it and we'll process it. So the benefits of just knowing the vision of where we're working currently, you know, knowing our church, knowing the vision, where it wants to go, being on the same page um, and, and really enjoying the ride together and the commonality that we share is such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me super sad when I know people are leaving ministry. I get some of the reasons mm-hmm. why, yeah. but we still get to our core. We have the best jobs in the world. Mm-hmm. Like this is the greatest gift and um, greatest calling. Greatest I mean, calling. It's just for us. It is. And yeah. everybody has a calling to their vocation, but. Uh, and I was going to say before we were talking about some of the challenges and I will say too, because this plays on the benefit when Rex is in a hard place in ministry, and this has always been, you know, throughout the six different churches that we've been on staff at, if Rex is in a hard season of ministry and I am not, the beauty is I can look at that and say, you know, I'm going to pray with you. I want to understand, but I'm here. It doesn't mean we need to quit and leave because it's not working. Yeah. And then when I'm in a hard place and he's mm-hmm. able to say, I don't love how you're being treated, mm-hmm. but let's let's talk through what it, what's going to get us on the other side. How right. can you work through it? There have been a few times, only a couple times, when both of us have been in the toilet <laughs> together. <laughs> and that's when we look at each other and say, is it time to go? Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean it is time to go. It mm-hmm. means it's time to engage in a process of prayer that right. says, God, are you free? Are you mm-hmm. releasing us? Sometimes we come out on the other end. We actually got an interview at a church one time because we were both in that place. And it was a verification. We should not go anywhere. Mm-hmm. God still has <laughs> renewed us, kind of. It was a weird journey. Well, it, it, I think that sometimes we pray that prayer, God, you know, will you release us? And um, now I, I know the voice well enough of God to uh, hear him say, no, you're not released, and uh, or mm-hmm. um, just nothing. And then I know I'll, I'll just stay the course. But what I find is many times he'll show me a part of my character that needs to be, be looked at. And because, um, I mean, ministry will yeah. make you face your character flaws. And uh, so I, it'll, there's a part of my character that I need to change. 
and um, need to grow in. And then what's funny is he's many times I've done that for a few months and then I, you know, uh, I'll get a very strong sense from God. Okay. Now you're released. It's like he, he wanted me to learn that before right. I left, before, you know, yeah. but it, yeah, it, it's not a, it, it's, we, we, we always think we're going, the la, the church we're in is the last church we're going to be in. One very important thing I want to bring up is that not only do we do a lot of this, what we've talked about, but we have read literally dozens of books and had hundreds of hours of conversation about marriage. Yes. So we have read everything. I mean, go through the list of people that ever wrote on marriage. I guarantee you we've read the book. Secular too. So yeah. I mean, my favorite book is John Gottman's book, Seven Keys to a Successful Marriage. And it's um, and so research based. I love that one. Yeah, it's a, but a great, it's a great book. A great book. So we just, we, we actually study the, the topic of marriage. Um, and then I was a marriage counselor that helps, but I will tell you that reading books like this, like, um, you know, intimate marriage by, um, uh, Dan Allender, uh, it, these types of people help a ton and will help you face, you know, things and bring up things. And like, this isn't a, do you think this is a problem? You know? Um, and then a lot, a lot of times Andrew goes, well, oh, so it might be. Okay. <laughs> so then we'll have that conversation until us, you know, and so, so it doesn't blow up in your face. Now you have to face it. So we've done a lot of preemptive work um, in reading, you know, and yeah. studying about it. And I do know that you've, you have been with hundreds of couples around marriage. So I might ask what, what seems most challenging for the couples that actually have somebody in ministry? And, and let me preface this by saying in the last year, I've heard from several uh, younger pastors who have, they're raising kids. And that's, a, of course, a, a challenging season. And if, say, let's just say typically, you know, the guy is the pastor and the wife is, is staying home or part time or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. um, and the wife is really not happy with the church and how it's mm -hmm. things are. But the husband feels like because it's working for for God as you said earlier that that it's that you can't walk away like and what I had one young pastor ask me like how how much weight should I give to my wife's unhappiness um, with the church because because yeah. <laughs> I understand the question yeah. but you understand but you, I mean, you guys are nodding because you you've heard variations of this right like and the, and the funny thing is if it was not a ministry job right if it was just like you know me working at a law firm like how we would think about our jobs is different but when you put label of vocational ministry put label of calling god you know people pastoral all this stuff like somehow that just layers on and then the the spouse that's not doesn't pulling the paycheck i think feels like they yeah. don't have as much say and i just wonder if you yeah. can speak to that well one thing is if, if, if you're a pastor and you haven't been in counseling i think that's a mistake i, I think you really should <laughs> If your, wife is, starting a if your wife is saying that and you're asking silly questions like, how much weight should I give you? You should give yourself. I told, your okay, listeners, I told you that Rex was a two teller, so there you are. <laughs> yeah, yet they yeah. need to see a marital counselor, you it's know, because subtle. that is going to be, that is going to really go, go, you know, in bad places. Finances can be a real issue. Yes, that's another um, one. The know, sacrifice. Over, you know, uh, overworking, uh, you know, just working too many hours. Um, in ministry can be an issue. Um, not having good boundaries around your off time, you know, where you're still taking calls, you're still taking emails, still taking you're texts. Still on your phone. Not good. 
you've got to just. Do you guys uh, have you, that as a boundary uh, earlier on? Yeah. Did you have that earlier on when you had children? Yeah, we when our kids were small. I mean, we, it was we didn't have cell phones we yet, right? <laughs> we didn't have cell phones yet. Yeah, <laughs> no, no didn't they, they didn't exist when my kids were little either. I just feel like they have it so much easier. They can watch videos when they go to the grocery store. Andrea, you and I had to figure out how to entertain them when they're climbing out of their carts. Now they just oh, yeah. stick in front of their iPhone and they're totally fine. It's so easy. You know, what's interesting though, I mean, pagers go back to the eighties, so yeah, you yes. still had pagers that were paint. going off. Yeah. And then in '94, I had my first cell phone, you yeah. know, and yeah. it was huge, you know. But we had, <laughs> and, uh, so there, you've always had ability, you know, to, to do that, but you just don't. And one of the things that we like keeping short accounts, um, both Andrea and I, uh, we have a, I would say, a vibrant relationship that can be volatile. So <laughs> we we are quick to get on each other yeah. and um we've had to learn how not to raise voices and you know not not uh we're still learning yeah but we'll <laughs> we'll blow up fast and then we'll also cool down just as fast and we forgive pretty fast and we forgive yeah. quite fast so yeah. I, that's the thing though about kids when we our kids were small we did have a rule rex and i when we came home from ch- church from work mm-hmm. we would turn off our work before we open the car doors to go into the house. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where we look at each other. There's anything else mm-hmm. we want to process before we go in the house. Okay. And we would go in the house and it would be like, no more talk about it. Mm-hmm. And we kind of said, we won't bring up work again unless we're behind closed doors after the kids go to bed. So we worked okay. very hard That's not great. to talk about work with that. And the other thing we did with our kids that, that was hugely helpful was we, I remember I said there was two things we were committed to. One was twice a month year getting away together mm-hmm. and saying, how are we doing? The other thing was every year we asked our kids, how does it feel to have mom and dad both in ministry? And wow. we would take and we asked them from the time they were five. Yeah. So it wasn't like yeah. they had to be a teenager before we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. And it was always, how does it feel to have both of us in ministry? Is there anything you wish was happening at home or with mom and dad that isn't currently happening? And we would listen to them. Now, we never made a promise that if they said, yeah, we hate it. Mom should sing it was always a promise that you will be a part of the dialogue. And then we will talk mm-hmm. and prayerfully consider what you're saying to us. And do we need to change things? Do we need to be home more often? Do I need back do it now i will tell you we asked it every year and every year we heard from our kids we love it it's great don't change anything i mean honestly wait, wait, we were but prepared, they did answer questions but they would say i mean they just loved the church um, yeah and yeah, that was not it they, they, they would they would speak into our parenting oh yeah where they would uh, say well and i will tell you brilliant things that they would come up with you yeah, know yeah. i mean wisdom that you know it's like you know when when you're kid opens their mouth and the Holy Spirit speaks. Mm. It, we, that's happened to us dozens of times. <laughs> it's terrifying, but it, it's like, you wow. know, and so we've made those changes. We've had to say, you know, we need to do that differently. We need to, you know, and for our oldest, who is very wise um, and a strong leader in her own right, she was very helpful to us. Um, just telling us, like, sometimes she would just tell us, you, you need to parent Trent differently. You need to do this <laughs> and, and, and and I, and I, like, yeah, I, really, you know, um, <laughs> she was right more than wrong. And sometimes she wouldn't do it in a, in a timely way, but, um, wow. So you did three, six, you did three sixty reviews with 360. your kids. 
which is remarkable. And I can I can imagine some of our listeners feeling like a little anxious about the thought of asking their children, especially teenage children, uh, that question to to give them some say in what's happening. Um, Don and I have actually have done something like this. Well, okay, let's just be honest. I've done more of this kind of thing. And Don, he's I married someone who's just so kind and he, he's along for the ride. He's like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So um we have done it. And what's interesting now that my kids are 21, 23, uh, recently had a conversation with my 21-year-old and she said, uh, I realized that you guys gave us a lot of um, agency and that's helped me to find my voice earlier than a lot of my peers. Um, and I'm really glad for that because we felt like our opinion mattered. Whether or not it really mattered, like we, we listened, didn't mean we did it. We're the adults. But um, they got to speak and, and be heard. And that's, she said, that's really rare for, um, you know, her friends and that generation. And so she said, I'm really glad for that because it kind of helped me to um, feel confidence earlier. To, there's just all this insecurity yeah. anxiety right now, Gen Z. And so um, she thanked us for that. And I thought, oh, that's so nice. And we didn't do it as a routine thing like you guys. That would have been better. It, it would come out more ad hoc along the way if you know i was in a busier a season or don was in trial who's in a busier season then we just kind of try to make up stuff along the way but i love that idea of yeah. trust your kids and and i love rex how he said that like the holy spirit is in our children if they know the lord too and so you can respect mm -hmm. them and respect their agency to the level of their maturity and age of course um, and it, it really does yeah. pay dividends later they just have a stronger center i think because they know that yeah. they can that what they think matters um, so that's a beautiful yeah. parenting tip right there. Um, all right. So other. No, I was going to say the the one thing too is, you know, our kids at times have said, um, uh, you know, I wish I, well, basically there are going to be times in ministry. It happens at every single church where the season is crazy. So when you're looking at the holidays or you're looking at when yes. you go, we're going to have 15 services in the next three weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, the kids know that we always had conversation with our kids. Hey guys, we're heading into a really intense run here for the next week or so. And um, we just want you to know we're going to be out more than normal. This is what it's going to take. Let's all talk about your schedule. So everyone feels like their needs are being met, but just know our kids mm -hmm. always knew that when that intense season came, there would be a backside of it. Mm -hmm. That would be downtime where we'd take extra time off. We would do yeah. fun family things. We would, it really was makeup for the time that they had. And they really loved it. So I, I said they didn't complain much. It's because they were in this rhythm of, oh, it's conference week. Mom and dad are going to be crazy. I'm mm -hmm. going to spend more time at my buddy's house or whatever. But next week's going to be awesome because yeah. we'll probably go out to dinner three nights that week or we're going to go do something. Right. So you said expectations in advance or like kind of preemptively. Yeah. So that actually counters that, that whole syndrome with the right it's it's it, well, the word we use is, is equilibrium you know it's mm -hmm. just like you know you'll come back to normal it ebbs and flows yeah. it does but it doesn't it's not a straight line it's not and we're mass. not rigid mm -hmm. um we could use some more self-discipline still in our life <laughs> so, but, but we will we'll have these ebbs and flows and uh, you know just go along with us but that means you know when it was over it's like we always thought do something special you know mm -hmm. let's go to disneyland let's go to you know, go somewhere and go to Chicago. Let's go to, you know, so just yeah. have some fun for a day. And so they always knew it's like, uh, yeah, this is a sacrifice, but 
you know. Yeah, and um, that seems like an antidote to that whole pastor's kid thing that we hear about, where you know, people that kids yeah. that are raised by pastors they typically um, walk away from the church at a fast clip. <laughs> Apparently, there's a whole a lot of studies around that, and I feel like that's got to be some of the keys what you guys did um, in terms of setting. Uh, expectation. And Rex, I love the idea of ignoring. We're so obsessed with the idea of work-life balance, but the reality is that work-life doesn't balance like that. Certain seasons of parenting are more intense. Certain seasons of ministry or job is more intense. And so the idea of finding equilibrium along the ups and downs, that just seems so much more um, doable um, and wise. But talking to them about it rather than just their victims of it is important. The the other thing the other thing we did, I think that really more than anything else we've done, and this is really more about our church than the two of us, is God's grace on our side, um, it, that has helped our kids. And all three of them, married believers, love Jesus, love the local church. And I think the reason, honestly, for it was our kids all served in the church at a young age. They started, all of them had critical roles. By the age of seven, they were serving. By like eight, nine, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, and where they were serving with a small group or helping a small group leader or on the drama team or doing music yeah. or being involved. They thought the church, in fact, our kids, I think, thought they owned the, owned the church. They, they think it was yeah, they'd walk very proudly down the halls and tell yeah. everyone what they were doing. Um, but it was, it made it then less about mom yes. and dad are sacrificing mm-hmm. us and yes. our family is a part of something bigger. That's and great. so our kids, I think, always felt like they were a part of a big kingdom picture Mm-hmm. Um, and the work of God as much as we were because they were always so sometimes engaged. they would get too, too busy and we would talk to them uh, <laughs> you're going to this ministry my school. son would say you know, dad I'm called to this ministry you know clean your room it doesn't mean you can't clean your room yeah. <laughs> so um, you, asked, you asked one interesting question though you were talking about young couples and the concern I mean Rex said get therapy which is yeah. a good point but um, it's <laughs> This is a legitimate issue. I, even my son is going through it right now. He's in full-time ministry. His wife, they just had a new baby. And they're trying to figure yeah. out what's life going to be this new right. child and ministry. It's demanding. Um, I think the biggest danger to young couples who are in ministry and just venturing out in this together, the biggest danger is that God becomes my excuse mm-hmm. for yes. a lack of love. A lack of love is all I can really mm-hmm. call it. That's what it is. Um, it's... It's there needs to be a um, a and I don't even like the word balance, but there needs to be a yin and yang of conversations <laughs> with supervisors in ministry. There needs to be um, a partnership that says to my supervisor, my pastor, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in, I am now in a season that's very different. Right. Let's get clear about your expectations of me, and then I want to have that dialogue with my wife so that we together are figuring out what's doable. Yeah. Um, now, a wife could be potentially highly demanding. Generally, um, that would be a short season. I think when she's feeling like I have this new baby and I'm trying to keep her from screaming right. and you're leaving and having fun with your friends at work. <laughs> right. I get that. That's a short-term problem. But but the longer-term picture is a, a person in ministry can get on this cycle of, mm-hmm. I'm going to work harder. I'm trying to climb a ladder. I'm trying to get up. I'm trying to make right. myself, you know great work. I want to be seen and appreciated and noticed by my supervisor, my pastor. And now they're on the the cycle and the wife is just getting left in the dust. And so from the very beginning, have those conversations and say, I hear my church saying it's God 
and then my family. Mm-hmm. And I want to keep God at the forefront. But the scripture doesn't say the active work of the ministry is more important than your family. It right. says your relationship with God is more important. It is the only most important thing over your family. And I think we get confused with that. We think mm-hmm. our relationship with God equals ministry I do every day for 40 hours, 80 hours a week. It's different. And so we keep asking ourselves, you know, what part of this is God, me focusing on the right things God's calling me to do, and then the priority of my family. And um, the more they communicate about it, the more they include both work, the pastor, the expectations, and the spouse, Mm -hmm. the more the spouse will have a good sense of it. I think usually that if it's a female spouse staying home with a new baby or whatever, a young family, usually it's they feel left out of the discussion. They are now victims of the church. And that's where it goes. Right. And you've heard, I mean, you've heard the expression, you know, ministry widow, uh, you know, ministry spouse, kind of that, that. And there's almost, for some, I think you've touched on it too. There's the pride potentially of, you know, I'm doing this for God. So, you know, you have to give me license to not ever do the dishes or laundry or anything else. No, yeah, Rex yeah. is like, no, again, you need therapy. If you think that, you need therapy. So let's just be clear, clear on that, yeah. that part of it. <laughs> but to your point, I, I'm so, gosh, there's so much wisdom, Andrea. I, I, I think um, confusing the work of God for um, – you know, loving God, that that's a really dangerous thing. Obviously, we could talk a whole, maybe have a whole separate podcast around, <laughs> let's not confuse that because that people get in a lot of trouble over, you know, over that. I, I think to your point, if people did let their supervisor or their churches know, assuming that, you know, most churches, I would think would be sympathetic to the plight of a young family and the demands of that. And especially with COVID, I know like in our church, we have bent over backwards to try to accommodate because it's been such a hard season for young families with kids. Um, yeah. And I think those conversations are now happening in churches that maybe before were not happening. And part mm-hmm. of it is too, I think sometimes people in ministry feel like um, they can't talk about their weaknesses in their marriage. They need to have this model perfect marriage because that's part of being a perfect pastor. It would also mean that your marriage, mm-hmm. your kids, you know, if your kids aren't all perfect and you guys look all perfect on Sundays. Like I think they kind of buy into that really toxic image that they have to have it all together. So I don't know if you guys could speak to that, that piece. I think some people would like to leave ministry, but feel like they, um, that if they got help for their marriage or if, you know, they were separate or they just, if things aren't going well at home, they feel like yeah. that actually, this is one of the few occupations where if things are not going well at home, um, your job may be impacted. Even without having, you know, an affair, doing really blowing stuff up, but just even the challenges, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's a real fear for people. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I was just talking to a pastor, actually, in another state, and he, he was saying, uh, talking a lot about this. He's having some issues, and and he told me what they were, and they weren't terrible issues uh, in his marriage and just some home life, but he couldn't, he couldn't share those with yeah his pastor or anything because anytime anybody shared anything their job was in jeopardy yes and my best advice to him it was uh you need to get out of there yeah that that is not an environment that is not a healthy environment for you to be in it's like anything if if we're if we continue to propagate unhealth because we don't separate from unhealth we're part of the problem we're propagating high yeah and, and so we're and you cannot do that so um uh, you know, and he ended up leaving, um, mm-hmm. and, and was very relieved when he could, he'd just be normal. And it wasn't that bad, and, but he couldn't even say he was going to counseling. 
See, that's oh, the thing wow. you couldn't yeah, going to counseling. Yeah. Um, and a lot of churches, that's true. Mm-hmm. You can't show that kind of, you know, uh, flower fault or, you know, you can't see I'm going through a rough weakness. time. Yeah. Um, and it's, and, and, and you know, I mean, the, the unhealth in, a, in an environment like that is, is not good. Um, but, uh, I, I, I would, I think more than anything, it's having the, the what, who I look for, I look for three people in, in my life. And I, I've even, in, I've done lots of restoration of pastors in certain, uh, in churches too. And I always did look at three things. One, do they have a spiritual director? Somebody who's really pay, taking care of their soul. Um, somebody who's coming alongside them, um, and, and really paying attention to that. The second thing is, do they have a leadership mentor? Do they have somebody in their life that that really understands what a leader is to look and be like? Um, and uh, the third, I can't remember. So I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Right now. You're <laughs> such a pastor. You're supposed to have three points. They should be starting with the same letter. What has happened, Rex? <laughs> counselor, having that counselor that you're going to or on call with. And I've had, I've had, I remember I had two pastors we were doing this with, um, and they were with the elders required that they see all three that they have somebody in all three of those roles. And, and uh, um, it, it does the best. It cares for your soul. It cares for your emotions. Um, it cares for um, your leadership. Um, most pastors are not really taught how to be leaders, uh, yeah. frankly. And, um, and, you know, leadership is really important. Healthy leadership is important. So um, to be a student of leadership, you know, uh, it is important. So having those three mentors in your life and also read read about good you know apparently read about good um leadership read it uh i don't know I, i've been reading lately like john mark comer has been a oh really yeah good- we just did a podcast uh in december on live uh the live no lies that was a powerful yes. book yes yeah he's an amazing and an up-and-coming guy to take the place mm-hmm. of people like the dallas willard or john Orberg. Um, I think John Orberg is doing some of his best work the, in his life. The video, de- yeah, the video devotional. I can link some of those uh, resources in the show notes. I, yeah. I've been really enjoying those as well. His podcasts are amazing. So, um, so there are just there. There are lots of people in there. A lot of the leader, most of the leadership books I read are not Christian books. Um, they tend to be from the corporate world. Um, every once in a while, you'll see see somebody who can write a decent book um, on on leadership um, in the church. Uh, but uh, more often than not, it's, it, you know, and I don't care where it comes from. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it, God will provide And uh, for a while. I didn't have those people in my life. So I would pray for them. I would ask God, please, will you, you know, I need a good leadership mentor. And, um, I mean, he, he, I did that one time. <laughs> he, he brought me a guy that through a friend, uh, at my local Starbucks that I would go to, and I'd see this guy in there reading the paper all the time. And so my friend introduced me to, 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 um, this guy, uh, Jack. And I thought, Jack, he's, you know, this is a great guy. And then I found out he was a four-star general had been in charge of Europe <laughs> in the Cold War, you know. And so I would just watch him read his news, newspaper and I'd say, you know, what you're reading, Ask you know, I would just bug him like, just like a <laughs> little, you know, like, what do you read? And he, I learned more, I mean, seriously about leadership just by watching this. And so seeking out those mentors in your life, you know, who know you, who know your stuff in those three areas um, are really important. And if most of the time 
uh, a friend of mine, Mike, he uh, does ministry with holistic spiritual formation. And one of the most underdeveloped parts in a pastor, he says the most underdeveloped part parts of pastors um, is in the emotional area. Yeah, they don't do their work in the emotional area. So that's the you know reading people people like Peter Peter Scazzaro, um, who has been around a long time, written emotionally healthy. You know, discipleship uh, program uh, emotionally focused. You can look that up. Just uh, it um, it used to be called um, what do we used to call it. I, I forget the name of it, but it's now called Emotional Focus. Really good at helping you deal with, understand anxiety and fear. Um, oh, yeah. And, and we're, actually, we're reading um, Steve Cuss's book as a leadership team on um, leadership anxiety. And he's a pastor, now writer, consultant. It's actually really, really good. And it's getting us, we're actually talking on you know a broader level about the different voices in our head that is um, causing you know issues with how we're actually leading and being able wow. to separate. That's so that's amazing. It is, right? I know. This is what God's doing. God can handle our emotions. Um, so sometimes I'm sitting there going, well, yeah, this seems kind of obvious. But it's been really good as a process for everyone to kind of hear each other and trust each other um, and be talking about, you know, what anxiety looks like in different uh, spheres of our lives. And so I think, um, yeah, no, I love that. So I will put some of those resources on. And those are, if I, I love that when you don't have, because a lot of people, I could just hear them say, well, I don't have a mentor for our leadership. I don't have a Spiritual director, whatever, and and to pray for one, and then yeah. to get uh, active about um, adding that to your, you know, to your um, life because it's that's necessary. Um, I know we're well over time, but um, Andrea, is there anything that you did? I mean, you gave us so much good stuff. Is there anything you you'd like to say to our um, listeners? Final word. Final word. Final word. Yes. Final. Final word. <laughs> I think. Um, I think to just fight discouragement. I mean, like Rex said, the one desperately wants us out of the game. Um, as a woman leader, we need female voices more than ever. I think um, in leadership. Um, I just think it brings such a beautiful um, side to the church, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I'd hate to see women get discouraged and walk away because of frustration. So, like. For those females out there who are leading or or feel like they should be leading and haven't yet done it, you know, be bold and courageous. Mm. Step in, um, and then the church needs desperately to see pastors and uh, wives in love with each other. I mm-hmm. mean, um, I think we it's been far too long where we have just seen people seem like they tolerate each other but don't have fun and enjoy, mm-hmm. and it's worth fighting for. I, you know, I. When we start to seem like we're getting a little bored with one another, it just makes me crazy. And so it's like, <laughs> we have to do something. I don't, what do we need to do? You know, and it, it's a dialogue because I'm like, I don't want anyone to ever look at our marriage and say, boy, that was bland. <laughs> I know your marriage was full of joy and yeah. love for each other. And because um, it's the best reflection of God mm-hmm. into our mm-hmm. community. And so, you know, I want the neighbors who don't know Jesus to look at Rex and I and say, not just, they don't give a rip if we're in ministry. I want them to look at us and say, what is it about the two of them that makes them so happy together? And like I said, we are not rosy. We are complicated. Ask our kids. Like we have had a lot of hot messes. We're both high maintenance maintenance. and we're okay with that. You'd rather be high maintenance than boring. I, I, that, that seems like a good trade-off. <laughs> I'm okay with that. But we 
but I really, I mean, our deepest goal is that our marriage will be a good reflection um, on God, whether we're in ministry or whether we're working at Starbucks. So, um, yeah. So I think that's my last two cents. Do you have anything? Well, okay. Over. So now yeah. that followed. See, this is what happens. I have more questions now. Okay. So even though that was your last two cents, I have to ask. So I know you guys do pray together. Do you guys have any like um, spiritual practices in like that's a regular practice that you do together? Like, do you pray? I, I know pastors who pray before every meal, holding hands, you know, then they post it on Facebook. I, I mean, there's lots of ways to do this. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I'm just saying for some, there can be some performative aspects to spiritual practices that people put on social media. That's all I'm saying. But I think, are there spiritual practices that you guys have put that together, whether it's a certain time you pray or how you pray, or is there a schedule to it? Or do you just kind of float with as God leads sort of thing? Yeah, we floated with what how God leads for a long time. Uh, I, I think one of the things is we, we just dialogue. We, we talk all the time. Um, and so that is a spiritual practice, you know, mm -hmm. to just communicating, um, being in community with each other. I mean, we live in community with each other. We always, we always have, um, there are some marriages that don't, they live sort of like roommates, you know? Yep. Um, uh, I think that, uh, though we've always prayed for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will true, true confession. We, we really only started praying with each other consistently during COVID. <laughs> and maybe it was to keep us from killing each other. I don't know. But we were we actually loved being in COVID because we loved being at working at home and we were we were sad when we had to go into the office and not see each other every moment of every day. Um but uh uh we started praying every day you know for, with each other and it, we enjoy it immensely. It's mm -hmm. never like we didn't want to. We just never did. We didn't. And, and I think in some ways people say, you you know, if you pray together, you'll have the perfect marriage. And we sort of will balk at that and rebel against anybody who <laughs> says something like that. If anything, it sounds overly uh, spiritual. Um, so, <laughs> but it did get better. <laughs> but yeah, but it did. But well, it we depends on the intention, right? Are, are people doing yeah. that so they could say that and check it off? Or do they actually really want to pray their spouse? And I think part of the problem with prayer too is that if you are a um, spiritual professional like pastors are, I mean, we pray a lot. As yeah, part of our yeah. job and in yeah. every assembly, every gathering, you're like called to pray. So sometimes yeah. prayer can feel a little yeah. bit like... Right. Especially you know. if you're on the same team, we were on the same <laughs> team. We were praying. It's like we pray. You know, it's like we prayed three hours today. To, <laughs> literally, we paid three hours today together. So, um, so but we did in 2020. We started something, and I really do like. I told her to said, I just think it did something. It was mm -hmm. almost like a little shot of vitamin B. <laughs> but we started praying each morning together. And we started a gratitude journal in January yes. 2020. Yes. And we did that through the whole COVID week. And I continued oh, to do it. Oh, that saved us. And we, <laughs> so came together and then saying, what are you grateful for today? What are you mm -hmm. grateful for? And I'd write it down. So I was keeping our journal. Yeah. And just the fact that we were reflecting all the time on God's goodness, mm -hmm. Always just dumb yeah. things like I'm yeah. gratefully created an apple. You know, I mean, it was like sometimes it was so simple, and other times it was like our daughter got pregnant who tried yeah. for five years. You know, yeah. I mean, big things yeah. um, during COVID. And mm -hmm. um, but it made our prayer life sweeter, it made our dialogue sweeter, mm -hmm. it made the challenges that we were facing in COVID seem so much less. Mm -hmm. It just yeah. did. 
Um, I love that. And I know it was a crappy year, but we don't feel like it was a crappy year. I feel like it was the most fun. It was fun. (laughs) (laughs) To be at home together and to do ministry on Zoom calls in the other room, and I could hear them in my room. And, uh, you know, it it, it was kind of this giant experiment on how does ministry work when you're not Mm -hmm. together. And so, yeah. yeah. So for us, those are the practices. We do watch John Ortberg every morning right now. So right now, our current one is to watch the podcast in the morning mm-hmm. over our coffee and then pray together before going to work. So we do mm-hmm. that all the time. Um, before we get out of bed. Yeah. We do all that before all we get that. out of bed. Yeah. Dog joins us. <laughs> yeah. um, but then, um, but Rex is right. I think the thing throughout our marriage, the, the discipline, we would say is keeping short accounts. It's mm-hmm. that communicating don't let a stone go unturned um i think they are rugs are dust free under there (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we really don't sweep much under the rug swept right into each other's um and uh i think that's been the probably the best thing Mm Yeah. Oh, thanks so much for those tips. I, that's that's so doable. We're talking, you know, five, 10 minutes to yeah, yeah. invest in something yes. that's the most important thing after a relationship with Jesus. I, it's it's yeah. so well worth it. Um, thank you, Andrea and Rex. This was fantastic. I feel like I should have my husband listen to it so he could hold me accountable. <laughs> And we can continue some of these things that we, we used to do the state of the union weekends away and then that those kind of fell off and now we're in a different season of life and there's, it should almost be easier, but um, it's been, Definitely we have to times. still be every stage of, you know, parenting, gosh, it, it has different challenges. And so now we're kind of trying to figure the next stage out together. Um, but yeah. I think whichever stage people are in, you guys gave us so much uh, oh. wisdom to glean from. So thank you. Thank you. Um, and if you want to inter- <laughs> if you want to interact with the minors, you can do that on your Facebook small group page. I think you guys are still on it. I don't know if Rex is, but I think you guys, uh, Andrea, mm-hmm. I think is still on it. Um, on and off. If not, Steve will tag you and force you to answer any questions. So, <laughs> so if there are any questions you're bar- you're dying to ask, you can contact them at Saddleback and then also through that page. Um, God bless you guys, your marriage, your grandbabies, all of that. What a joy this has been. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Here to There. And until next time, remember that we are better together. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.